0: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: It's the worst idea of all time. The worst idea of all time. It's the worst idea
2: of all time. Season two. Ahoy, noble traveler, and welcome along to another cracking
1: episode of the worst idea of all time. It's me, Guy Montgomery. And his trusty companion on this verily we go along voyage, Tim Bat, the Vagabond. That's right.
2: Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery, friends as far back as the start of last year. Have just watched Sex in the City 2 for what I assume is a world record, but I think might not be, a 28th time.
1: Woohoo! Go us! Happy 28th to us! Happy 28th to us! I never want to see <laughs> the movie again. Happy 28th to us! That
2: was a jaunty little tune Thank that you. is outside of copyright law, so we're allowed to sing <laughs>
1: Yes. Hey, guys, hey, guess what? Tim.
2: Give me a kiss. This is. Okay, have you uh, one. Mwah,
1: oh, back at you. Hey, now this is a very special episode of the podcast because this week, for the first time ever, we are decaling our knee club that is the show oh. with our very first show sponsor. Hey, hey, hey. That's Death right. Blaze Pizza. Fuck you, Blaze Pizza. Fuck you right in the metaphorical ear. Because we have yeah. a real company that is willing to back this project that recognizes the genius of me and Guy. <laughs> even though that was grammatically incorrect. And I couldn't be happier to announce that that company is Karma who I actually love. I drink them all the time when I'm in NZ. They're a New Zealand-started company, but they export their delicious cola to uh, all over the world. Not in America yet, but they reckon it might be there next year. Not sure if I was supposed to say that or not. I can't remember. The main thing well, is though, Carmicola, bloody good company. They jumped in there to Sierra Leone. That's right.
2: They, they well, they're on the they're on the worst idea of all time boat, aren't they? They're, I mean, we are now contractually yes. obligated to say yes. that when I'm craving yeah. a carbonated beverage, the only carbonated beverage that will quench my unquenchable or what I thought was an unquenchable thirst yeah. is
1: Carmicola. I didn't even know there were other carbonated beverages apart from Kamakola. Or or at least I did before, but now I don't. They're gone. They're out of my mind. <laughs> are a, they're a wonderful bloody company. They're very focused on uh, all their products are organic, fair trade, down to the sugar itself that they use in there. That's right. No high fructose corn syrup for you, you bugger. You've earned a bloody quality drink. Why do you know so Car- much
2: about sugar? These are, these are the questions that Guy Montgomery's wondering.
1: Me? Yeah, you. I yeah, you. That, I watched that documentary Food Inc. that Katie Couric narrated, and half of it I thought this is bullshit, but the other half I was like, mm, fair enough. Anyway, just, eat, just like
2: eat, just eat less of, like just everything in moderation.
1: Yeah, stop being a stop being a fuckwit. Hey, Carma Cola, is so cool, they've got this foundation where so not only do they do fair trade, so they're, they're paying proper money to the farmers in Sierra Leone where they get their cola beans, but they've got this. Also, this foundation where they give money to villages in Sierra Leone. They've raised over 50 grand so far. It's gone to eight villages. They build, like, schools and stuff. All the, the villagers themselves, they decide how to spend the money. They're basically, they're just they're bloody good buggers. Look, i got a lot of respect
2: for that, Tim, but I'm starting to get jealous already. Why don't you bloody do a podcast with a carbonated beverage? Because you can't, mate, because they're not sentient. All right, Why don't well, you focus some of that time hey, and listen. energy on your old mate, g <laughs>
1: <laughs> Guy I realize I realize that you're very uh you've always been a little envious. You've always wanted to be a cola. I've known this about you. But <laughs> I had I had aspirations. Let me let me tell you something. Guy, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if you were Talk a cola me, you would be a cola.
2: Noted i i couldn't i couldn't agree more i bathe in the stuff look but that's not a handle there
1: (laughs) now back to the task at hand which
2: is the 28th watch (laughs) horribly sticky uh yeah well i mean i think because that was our first ever spot yes it kind of has lent a uh uncharacteristically upbeat tone to the opening of the podcast so i'm um, also
1: in the like again in the lap of luxury so there's You know, it still wasn't a fun experience, but I'm like in this beautiful kind of rural looking bit of Thailand now called Bai, and there's there's like mountainous areas that I'm looking out on and. Dogs. What's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say. Rats. Ravenous. But they're also, they're not that. They're not. What? You're looking at ravenous dogs? (laughs) they They do seem hungry. They're just, they're rampaging around. They're pack dogs, they're friendly. They love each I other. I don't
2: know. You, you're using a lot of conflicting adjectives for the dogs here. Tim. Are they friendly or are they rampaging and ravenous?
1: No, they're rampaging, but as a unit. So it's like they just but like if you're on a rampage, you're like you're out to cause trouble. Yeah, but there's they're no, friendly no toward each a... other, like toward the no. common dog. Their own common dog. They're they're good. Are you under threat? <laughs> I'm very hot. I'm very warm.
2: Well, the good news is I think you're sort of deliriously confident, um, and accordingly, dogs can smell fear, uh, and so they're not going to smell anything on you. They'll probably, and also, you're so goddamn lean. I think even the
1: dogs would have the brains to be like, it's just not worth it. These Thai dogs, though, are the most relaxed canines I've ever encountered in my life. They're just lounging around. What? They just they all what? have their own so spots. And then they're once not... in a while, one of them will get excited, round up his mates, and they go rampaging around as a pack. It's cool. What? I, uh, okay. I mean, I, either I'm not
2: understanding this or your your language isn't clear enough, but I feel like if the dog's on a rampage, you gotta you got to watch out, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah you know, I'm, they're
1: fine, uh, is what I'm saying. I, I'm not in fine.
2: paradise, Tim. I feel lonely.
1: Tell me your surrounds. What was the context of your watch today? I'm
2: in Sydney, Australia, uh, which is a beautiful city. I'm in the same room I watched it last time, and it's just, I don't know, like I'm just tarnishing my memory of this house because my main interaction with it is sleeping and occasionally not sleeping on a couch and watching Sex in the City 2 on the very same couch.
1: That's a damn Uh, shame. And like so. I
2: didn't even I didn't do anything nice for myself. I drank two glasses of water during the movie.
1: <laughs> That's it that was your special treat
2: that was that was my special treat uh yeah, I mean it's I don't know I don't know what to say,
1: guy, I've got a pretty meaty thesis for you that I've actually penned during this watch. um I started cottoning onto something, and I'm kind of keen to just rip into it early on. Would you like to hear it? I absolutely would love to guy. Dixpert, the Danish architect, is an artificial intelligence that's escaped from the lab. Here's the evidence I have to support my theory. Number one, he has no discernible na- national accent, of, like yeah. belonging to any country, right? He, what he sounds like, and we have noted this, is he sounds like a machine trying to mimic an accent. Why is that the case? Because that is precisely what is happening. Evidence two, let's assume... They're either the Americans or the Japanese-created dickbot because they are the leading countries for this sort of technology. Where would be the perfect hiding place for a robot that escaped to get away from all the CCTV cameras and all the NSA fuckery while still being able to find out about humans? I put it to you guys. The Middle East would be the perfect location for that. Evidence three. Why does he spend so much time in the desert? He's solar-powered. Evidence four. <laughs> You know when like he appears. Three. You know when he appears in the truck, and he just briefly says hello, and then he drives off while standing in the flatbed, and there appears to be no driver. The vehicle just goes. This was in 2010. I think this AI dick he made his own autonomous driverless all-wheel drive vehicle for the desert. Wow. My thesis does go on, and it gets quite heady. Do you want to hear the rest of it? Yeah, man. Don't. I'm prepared you can't to just... abandon it. No, no, you can't slow down halfway. Guys, Sex in the City 2 is about two things. Sex and cities. Dick Spurt is on camera for about one and a half minutes in total, yet we see him having sex and in a city. He is ruthlessly efficient. The girls spend their two and a half hours of screen time trying to fix and finesse their relationships with their sexual partners, but Dick gets it done with ruthless robotic efficiency. (laughs) Carrie is getting bad reviews on her writing. This represents humans inability to write good software code Charlotte is inept as a parent and this shows how inefficient the messy business of natural procreation is versus machine replication. Samantha is going through menopause and is focused solely on her failing body. This is about the needless fragility and short lifespan of a human. Miranda derives her self-worth from being a lawyer then quits her job. This shows the ridiculous and nonsensical human brain and how our wants and needs are illogical and (laughs) self-defeating. Sex in the City 2 doesn't fit with the rest of the franchise because Michael Patrick King has set out to make a two and a half hour long cinematic thesis on the eventuality and benefits of robotic takeover. That's what this movie is really about, and is your
2: is your logic that in two thousand and ten uh michael patrick king who's i mean is is as his history suggests he's unafraid to confront any you know anything whatsoever. Uh, is was was savvy enough to know that you can't just overtly put out. You can't you can't do a Six in the City Two slash uh, ode to robots crossover, yes. yeah. Uh, without maybe having to probably honour the Six in the City Two element a little more and sort sort of cross stitch and very subtly maybe just Guy, the ha- hems.
1: How I how I would describe it is um, a Trojan horse of sorts. <laughs> he's, he's put in the idea of uh, the eventuality and, and his appreciation of a robot apocalypse he's put it inside the franchise of Sex and the City 2 left it outside the gates of Hollywood and waited for people to buy it not dissimilar from uh, our last season with what Adam Sandler did
2: yeah no I completely understand what you're saying I have no reason to really rebut you <laughs> Um I mean you know, at this point, anything to make the movie what it isn't is uh, is fine by me. I'm sort of just racking my brains for any evidence I can consider that would corroborate your uh, research, the, which is what I've only, caught so far.
1: The only times that we're uh, that Dick Spurt's actually on screen, because you, you think he's on for way longer than he is, but really the only time he gets on screen is when he's um, huffing on that heisha pipe.
2: He arri- yeah, so he arrives in the car in the in the Jeep or whatever in the desert, then he yeah. watches Samantha and has a flirtation at the bar in the hotel. Very brief. And then they then they go up for a meal. Yeah. And then they have sex uh in America.
1: Yeah. But in terms of screen time, <clears throat> really, the only time yeah. he says Cumu- more than c- six
2: words. And
1: cumulatively
2: that would only be about two minutes worth.
1: Totally. If that. He's a bloody robot, mate. And I just like Michael Patrick King's, um, what's the word, like his his patience with filmmaking that he waited uh, about an hour and forty minutes or so until Before, the protagonist of the film appears. That's that's I like that. very it's disciplined a, filmmaking.
2: Well, it's almost avant-garde, isn't it? I mean, it's a bold call. It's kind of gonna edge. try if you're gonna build this thing as a blockbuster and not bring the protagonist in until an hour forty. I mean, he's he's making some pretty outrageous decisions. Not um, only
1: that, but creating a sci-fi and not telling anyone that the robot is a robot. They've got to figure it out for themselves. And it, ter- it turns out you got to watch the movie 28 times and then maybe th- you'll get it.
2: If comedy and podcasting doesn't work out, Tim, I think you will make an exceptional high school English teacher. Thank you. Uh, and I say this because, I mean, while I, I do honour and respect your your theory and have no evidence to refute it, I feel like, you know, what you've done is kind of, you know, like, when you, re- you have to read a book or whatever, <laughs> like a fucking nerd. <laughs> like and, a square. Uh, <laughs> you know, they make that shit with pictures now. You idiots. Um, Why you're, would you and, even and then,
1: spend your time with it?
2: And then your English teacher just projects their garbage opinion of what they have just read onto you. And then you all have to go... Yeah, and then you have to write supporting essays for their stupid claims, and then they incorporate that information into their sort of spiel for the class next year. And this perpetual cycle of an English teacher thinking they understand the book like in the only way possible.
1: It's um, almost the definition of like, propaganda.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is what I feel like this might have been bubbling away on the, you know, say we've got a, an element here and there are four stovetops on it, and you've had, you've been cooking maybe a carbonara sauce on the front right. And maybe uh, you've been boiling away your pasta on the front left, and then this theory's just been bubbling away, sort of almost unbeknownst to you, behind the huge pot in which you're preparing the carbonara sauce. I mean, it's too much carbonara sauce. Uh, if you want my honest opinion, I don't know what you're gonna do with it all. But hidden behind this bubbling pot of creamy pasta sauce is your uh, your robot sci-fi theory. Yeah. And uh, you've taken it. You've taken the carbonara off the element. and You've seen it, and you've sort of said, "Oh, this is what this is the real. Like this is what's gonna make this meal s- stand
1: apart." Well, uh, hold on. In your metaphor, what is the Cabanera source? Is it, the, is it how most people have interpreted the film, which is the diatribe about relationships no, 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 it's and a, married it's, life? It's,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I only really, when I was explaining it, then had it in my mind as an actual um, source. But I, I think yours, yours works better. In, in metaphorical <laughs> terms, yours is a much stronger example.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, because <laughs> I got quite lost in your metaphor, I've got to be honest. We're yeah. In the kitchen, but then we were actually just boiling the theory. So you kind of you really <laughs> flipped from the from the whimsy and the metaphor to just the literal. Well, <laughs>
2: between the twenty eighth, how do you boil the, how do you boil a theory? Well, you tell me, Tim. You're in the kitchen. Uh, I think between the twenty eighth watch and you just projecting this insane idea on me, I'm all at sea. Just to yeah, mix our
1: metaphors even further, That's all right. You're at sea in a kitchen, uh in, in pots and pans everywhere. Yeah. It's a, it's a tawdry business watching this film every week, isn't it? <laughs> it's bloody Ex- dirty. It is filthy. I noticed
2: something at the end of the film which actually might support uh your robot theory because you know how you're saying that you can't you can't have uh robot dick Spurt or dick uh in America because of all the C C T V footage and the NSA or whatever.
0: They'd find him, yeah.
2: And I sort of, I've usually tuned out because as soon as Carrie starts telling everyone to decal your Nequab uh, yeah. and the words that end come up on the screen, I usually am emotionally and mentally drained and checked out by that point. But I, my eyes stayed on the screen long enough to watch sort of the, um, it's almost like a glistening or glittering Diamante effect that they have on various different apartment buildings above the TV outside looking over New York City in their high-rise apartment. Oh, Yeah. And uh, what it appears to be to me, given what you've put forward, is uh, potentially some sort of power search. Um, oh wow! Yeah, if you if you watch, you'll see like a, one of them sort of flickers. It's kind of like at the start, you know, it's the, that whole rhinestone motif running through the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's something bigger. I think that maybe he's he's sort of in the Pentagon, where all of the American electricity is generated from. We all know that. We all know uh, that Dick Bot's in the mainframe. He's just so hammering it, it's, away
1: at so it because the picture that you've painted in my head is kind of like the end of Fight Club when the buildings are all going down, like right at the end. They've kind of they've just started their reign of chaos, and then the movie ends. Is it like that?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. What I'm sort of saying to you is, yeah. uh, if there were to be a sequel, God forbid, yeah, <laughs> I think we yeah. might see an even greater um, sort of focus shift from sex and the city towards just what exactly this robot
1: is attempting Ca- and capable of yeah jesus wow man terrifying
2: sex in the city 3 dick bot versus brady the rat king
1: <laughs> oh, oh man that is a matchup of the millennia forget century how would that shit go down <laughs> That is, like, the <laughs> ultimate battle of technology versus man. That is the Luddites versus the nerds. That that would be such an incredible battle. Wow. Because Brady the Rat King has, like, biology and numbers on his side. Uh, He's got numbers all right. Dickbot, though, theoretically, like, if he kind of was strong enough, he could he could use all the materials around him, all the metal and stuff, to, to well, build
2: robots. Well, I think herein lies the beauty of Brady's work uh, is yeah. that Dickbot is obviously programmed to learn to, how to engage with, uh, react to, and ultimately overthrow humans. Yeah. None of that technology has been geared towards uh, vermin. And accordingly, <laughs> right. his defense systems are weak against those of the rat.
1: So his big chink in the armor was rodents this whole time.
2: Well, I mean, it remains to be seen. Look, <laughs> I don't want to step on Michael Patrick King's toes here. I mean, he's probably boiling away the screenplay right now in a pot. Down in his basement, surrounded by cigar smoke and whiskey.
1: And right next to the burning carbonara (laughs) by the liters. Yeah,
2: yeah, by this point, I mean, he's been boiling carbonara for what? Is this five years? Five years. That carbonara is well past. If if you've been boiling a carbonara, I'm no cook, but if you've been boiling a carbonara sauce for five years, uh, I mean, it's probably past its
1: use by. It's probably turned into something else, though, at that point. It's it's like a feta, it's turned into some strange halloumi. I I
2: don't think. You're just throwing cheese names out there. I don't think you make feta by boiling carbonara for five years, and then suddenly it becomes a halloumi.
1: Well, then why is halloumi so expensive, guy? Because halloumi is the
2: rock star of the cheese world, all right? Indisputably delicious.
1: Yeah, in the same way that a 12-year-old single malt is entirely delicious and more expensive, I believe that a five-year carbonara turns into the most delicious halloumi
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for
2: hiring an objective professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to. So that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm
1: getting it straight. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10%
2: off your first month. That's com slash all time. Yearly rate. Well, you keep that pot on the boil and talk to me in 2020, you son of a bitch. I will. More evidence to suggest that maybe uh, yes. there's something to your theory. I, n- I heard this time uh, in one of the many moments that Sex and the City 2 surreptitiously squeeze in a little bit more advertising value by having ads play on the TV in the background. Yeah. Um, You know, after big reveals a state of the flat-screen television? Yes. A- and there's an ad for, I can't remember what, but then it cuts to another ad where there's a guy looking in a fridge?
1: The first one, I think, is Amnesty International from memory.
2: Yeah, and then it's a guy. Oh, no, the first one, and that that's in the hotel. The first one where they're at the apartment is uh, the soft toy, soft plush baby cubs and baby seals or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then the ad after that is a guy looking in the fridge. And I'm pretty sure, I didn't go back to replay it this week, but I'm pretty sure the voiceover that I did pick out was um, the words taking on the government.
1: Really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Shit, that's a pretty big one to escape old Betty's radar, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, w- that'd it would be. be a big old blip.
2: I mean, look, uh, there's obviously a small percentage chance that Montgomery's misheard the advertisement in the throes of insanity as he battles through this two-and-a-half-hour behemoth with the 28th time.
1: How good is it that we're um, drilling down into the ad breaks that are on the TV shows now in the back? Well, it's about
2: goddamn time.
1: I feel like we're getting really into the fibers of it now, really into the um the I do yeah the, I, constituents.
2: I, I I do think I mean it's still the difficulty is still to engage with the movie over the entire over the entire duration of it, but I do think that the the sort of the flashes of serious engagement now we are finally hammering into stuff that isn't you know it sounds arrogant to say but isn't accessible to a first time or even a second time watcher.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be rude, but you people can't see what we see. We're watching <laughs> yeah. a different we're watching a different movie at this point.
2: I don't want to be rude, but why don't you get off your goddamn ass? Catch. And you do up, something world. with your life.
1: <laughs> get in there. Try and watch it twenty seven times and then one more. Uh how many hours from- is that now? What are we up to? What's the math on that?
2: Uh, I will run the numbers quickly. But while I do that, Tim, do you just want to tell us if you had, aside from stumbling into this tremendous conspiracy theory, some sort of shining light? I think it's 70.
1: I just did that in my head, though. Um, yeah, 70 sounds right. Uh, boo. It's 4,200 minutes. 420? <laughs> I am very very much struggling to find a shining light this week. It was just a big soupy mash of grey nothingness, really. It was really featureless for me this week. The old really just, soupy mash, eh? Um Well I I mean Shit. I, I guess I the fact get, Oh you go. I I'll just chuck out that uh Dickbot has managed to it's just the way that he drives away. There's no suggestion of a driver in the car. So either my theory is correct or it's just really cool. <laughs> my theory being that he has built himself the world's first autonomous all wheel drive vehicle.
2: Yeah. Which it would be I mean, which is an achievement and interesting.
1: I'm gonna try and do better, but you you chuck me your one. Uh well, there was a line from Samantha Jones
2: uh, who I learned this week on a Buzzfeed quiz that is the character I most identify with. Um, I can't
1: believe you did the fucking quiz.
2: I can't believe you didn't. So she, it's, it's near the end of the film when they're in a rush to get to the airport because God forbid they might have to fly, uh, coach. Uh, and Charlotte is trying to find a gift for Harry and the kids. And Samantha Jones says, I'm going to fucking kill her. Uh, and it's sort of i mean it's a very aggressive line, and yeah. she delivers it with serious verve and passion, yeah um and I just i mean I hats off to Kim Cattrall for really i don't wouldn't say it salvages the movie, but it was it's impressive
1: that lines I'm always f- stood out get, to me as well whenever I've watched because it is um there's uh there's not a lot of fucks said in the movie, and it's the only one with real aggression the other ones are like. F- it's more she's than like, to, she's like to she's really have a fuck
2: wrapped her vocal cords around it and um sort of milked the word fuck which from memory I don't know about you Tim but there is a, something strangely satisfying about the word fuck obviously when you grow up you know it's taboo right out of the gates which might be part of its um appeal yeah but it's it's so i was thinking about it after i heard her say i don't know what makes it such a such a satisfying
1: I've always suspected it was something to do with the phonics of that word because it starts soft and it ends so hard. You and fuck, abruptly. Fuck. Yeah. It's good. It's good for you. It's good for your
2: uh, health. For those of you listening who have a similar affinity for the word, please tell us your theories as to why it's um, so enjoyable to say. Hashtag dickpot. Hashtag fuck. Hashtag decal your kneequab. Uh. Similarly, Tim, this wasn't a shining light, but it was just to sort of open up the opportunity for a film I'd quite like to see within the realm of Sex and the City 2. Uh, when Lily uh, is at the wedding and she goes off to play with the swans. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, when she says, hello, swan? Yeah. Oh, man, now, that hit me. It actually did. Ah, oh, damn it. I can't grab that. But I really noticed that this week and I fucking loved it. It warmed I would, my heart. I would love to see where that friendship goes. It warmed my heart so much because she's genuinely so cute. She's like the most um, easily adorable character in this whole thing. Easily likable. Yeah, mm. she goes, go play with the swans, Lily. And Lily just so obediently goes and plops herself down in the middle of this wretched, Wedding. slightly like, it's a, it's homoerotic come homophobic fantasy come to life. Just sits mm-hmm. herself in the middle, plonks herself down next to the only bastion of... Uh, sanity which is an animal it just says "Hey, spawn it's so cute
2: oh it's mm. so cute well i'm glad that we both i'm glad that we both spotted that i also hey, have now, a th- yeah there no, you go you go oh jinx god we're cute we um are. just a quick theory for you yeah. uh samantha knows this is a stinker samantha knows i do do i is an absolute
1: bomb and okay. um you know, she ignores all of. Guys, <laughs> you need she, to. Ex- some people have not seen this movie once, and some people have and still don't know what you're talking about. I, I do. Do I is the book that Carrie has written in the world of the film. I mean, it's a pretty central. Uh,
2: it's, there's nothing really central to the film, but it's pretty central. Uh, and I do do I. Uh, like Carrie's lost her touch. She yeah. was a writer of great repute, but I mean, there's no denying this book is an absolute dud. And I think Samantha knows that. And you know when they go shopping, and uh, Carrie's asking if there have been any reviews yet, and Samantha yeah. just fobs the question up and goes, "Oh no, I mean, well I know, but they'll all be great." Yeah. Very dismissive, not very confident in what she's saying. Oh, the whole okay. The whole trip to the Middle East, yeah, to uh, the United Arab, Arab Emirates is sort of a distraction, a ruse, oh, if you wow. will. Yeah. To. Uh, to sort of just to straight carry from it, and then that's that's further supported by when Carrie uh, bus goes breaking federal law and opening the mail, and reads the copy of the New Yorker, and yeah. then at the end of it, Samantha's like, "How did she get a? Ho- I don't know how she got a hold of it." The way she well, says it, we've previously yeah. dismissed that line and seen as superfluous to the film. The way that she says all of that is sort of, "Oh her my being god!" Like, oh wow, it's, I've been spoiled. Yeah, it's all gonna come down from here. I want oh, to I read d- that book so badly.
1: I do do I. It doesn't look big. It looks like you could knock it off in an afternoon. It's a pretty anemic looking That's right. Little novel. Well, it's it's, it's not so a novel. What do we what yeah, I know. What do we know about this book? We know that it's like a commentary on we know like, that, so, the the subtitle is a one year memoir of marriage. Or a memoir of so, one year of marriage. And
2: we know the conceit of the book is uh Probably the chapters lifted.
1: appear to be traditional wedding vows. I think yeah, yeah. Like it might yeah, start that's off right. each chapter it's, with one.
2: Sounds like it's lifted from. A, I think we've seen this before from some sort of online blog. So it's like she—it's a satire wherein she, she sort of lampoons the traditional wedding vows one by one for each chapter. Um, what is even
1: the point in that?
2: Sell some copies, earn some money. I Bigs guess got, so. Bigs money's going down the drain.
1: No, he's going to help him out, though. He'll get out of this with uh, all that piping hot bath semen. Oh, she's going to get him through.
2: I know Sorry. I've made this this bed, so so I, we have to lie in it. But yeah. good and Lord, I'm pretty Sometimes sure you're some... the one who
1: attached the adjective piping hot uh, to yeah. semen as well. I think that's well, your baby.
2: Well, it's in a spa. I mean, what do you expect? But the thing is, some weeks it's sort of just a, a, a funny throwaway novelty and then other weeks when one of us says it it's visceral and in that instance it was quite a visceral um for me anyway
1: (laughs) it's kind of like um uh you try and grab it and put it in the other person's face when they're least expecting it and i I think that's going to be my new fun little game (laughs) for this podcast is going to be taking you down a path and then suddenly mr big's going to jump out like a flasher with his scoozy and Uh, uh fuck you up
2: well, while we're here, Tim, I I would absolutely love to know what exactly uh, was being served up in
1: Mr. Big's Big Book of Ideas week 28. Um, So I think that uh, in Mr. Big's Big Book of Ideas this week, he's formed a really strange pyramid scheme. And the idea is uh, sending pennies through the mail Right, <laughs> yeah. Which is has been done before, um, but the twist on it is that his face is on every penny, and so what he's essentially done is he's he's gotten real pennies and he's heated them up a little bit, put his own stamp on, so it's his face, uh, in a bid to start his own new currency. So the, the normal way that a pyramid scheme works is that um, you send five pennies away and you're supposed to get 25 back because you're sending five pennies, one each to five different people. And so it goes, but it's unsustainable. But it's a great way to start um, a little cult or a little uh, nation state. So that's what he's trying to do. So he's doing it in reverse where the pyramid has been inverted and the the tip is at the bottom and the big base is at the top. So in Mr. Big's big book of ideas, he's just bought a billion dollars worth of pennies and re-stamped them with his own face and then just so started... he's also
2: bought a mint.
1: Correct. So he's also uh he his own mail service as well because it was a more economical way of distributing them. Are so these bought... legal tender? Well, this is the interesting thing. Not for America, but if you are part of the Bigland, it is. And that's that's how you get a country started. Give everyone money that they can only use within The country... It's like going to Disneyland and getting Disney dollars, you know? You can only spend them in there. If you take them outside, they're worthless. (laughs) It's like stripper dollars. It's the same principle, you know? So what Mr. Big's doing is he's arming everyone with um, a little bit of currency to get started to really uh, get Bigland on the map, off the ground, into space. (laughs) It's based (laughs) on the moon. Did I mention that? It's a moon colony. uh,
2: Well, i got to say, Montgomery finance expert uh, forecasts doom and gloom for this particular (laughs) venture
1: (laughs) why why are you going to be like that I think it's a grand idea I I don't know
2: I feel like he's put he's put a lot of money into this without any does he have investors or this is this is all he's floating he's playing with house money or his money I'm
1: sorry I'm sorry is the book called Big's Investors Big Book of (laughs) Ideas or is it Big's Big Book of Ideas
2: that is true uh well i mean that that wacky mr pig what will he think of next?
1: <laughs> time will tell all i know
2: is skibidi ba 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 there's Danny, We found him. And Darwin, he found us. It's coming to be... Where's he going? What's he doing? What's, What's he up to? to?
1: Was That's that a, right. That was the Thornbury's reference, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, That was out of the box. That was a real Mr. Biggs druscusi of uh, references. <laughs> I didn't expect that coming. No, nah, no one
2: did. I actually also, I prefaced it uh, with... <laughs> Oh, no, I won't
1: say. But there was another little uh, there's, cartoon there's from my childhood reference buried amongst there's the scat. Another little Easter egg in there for all you. Saturday morning duvet clutches in the couch and mum and dad's lounge watching the tally. Um, when will we experience joy like that again? Never. There will never be a happier time than watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with a bit of reheated pizza because it was Friday yesterday and mum was out of town uh, seeing her friends. so dad let us order pizza in and we just microwave pizza, watch some Ninja Turtles under the duvets. Bliss. There will never be a happier time than that. (laughs) We would have got along just fine as youngins,
2: (laughs) as whippersnappers.
1: So good. Um, Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Coffee Guy. Um, and funnily enough, he's in such a hurry because his wife's gone out of town and he's got to look after the kids. And he, <laughs> He's completely the man, forgotten. The man, the man cannot... Well, first of all, he's got to get them. Second of all, the man cannot cook. So he's, he's <laughs> desperately trying to scrounge up some food. What? He's not going to just buy it? He's scrounging it up? No, this is the thing. He will buy It's just pizza. He's just going to plonk them in front of... Unfortunately... See, what he's trying to do is reference a generation different to his, um, our generation. So he's gotten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but he accidentally rented out from the video store the Michael Bay one. And the the kids are just <laughs> confused. They well, just don't know what to be. make of it. I haven't Especially, seen it,
2: but presumably it is unfollowable.
1: Yeah, especially outside of any context of, like, the cartoon series or the toys or anything. You just, if you were just presented with that movie alone, I haven't seen it, but from everything I've heard, you'd just be like, I have no idea why." what's yeah, going on. What I, this I, is. I,
2: often, I often think that. I often think, like, you know, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles holds a special place in the hearts of people of our generation. Mm. But if, like, you know, kids, a, a child these days would be like, why do my parents you know like this gu- it's yeah. just a sh- terrible this, action movie I y- don't understand the draw
1: you've just thrown darts at a dartboard of adjectives and then formed a movie out of it okay it's they're an teenagers anthropomorphic okay, that's a animals who, who live in sewers no, they're also... They're turtles. Yes, okay. Very well. Yes, but they're not quite turtles. They're turtle people. All right, we won't explore that too much. Yeah, but also they're ninjas. What? Well, there's too many fucking things, isn't it? No, but also they're mutant. Ah, go it's home, a lot. Dad. You're drunk. The... the um, i got to say, and
2: I know mm-hmm. this isn't a place to venture into, but if, if they were to try and inject some uh, modern relevance and reverence into the, the latest iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Uh, they're in the sewer. Obviously, they've got Splinter. the, uh, the Master Splinter. The Master they're Splinter. Splinter. Mm-hmm. little crossover between maybe Brady and his battalion of rats. I mean, they're in the sewers too. Definitely. There's not outside the, the of realm cross- of possibility.
1: There's a lot of parallels between Brady and uh, Master Splinter, which we will explore in a later episode. Don't you worry about that. Um, That's right. But, but in, in closing, uh, Coffee Guy is praying to the one true God, Java, that his kids are okay because he plumb forgot to grab them. They're at school. They've been waiting a long time.
2: he's all checked up and ready to go. Um, well,
1: well, Tim, uh, yeah, we yes, I'd just like to. I'm sure you were going to anyway, but remind everyone about the LA uh, podcast festival that we're going to be at so so soon, and about um, Looming 10 days large. From now. Holy cat, that soon! That is too soon in some ways. We probably should figure out where we're going to be sleeping while we're over there. Um, so that's right. Go there,
2: buy a ticket, watch the festival if the options available to you. It's going to be a blast. And if you can't do that because you're one of these ding dongs who live outside of Los Angeles, California, first of all, what are you doing with your life? Analyze how you've got to where you are now.
1: Secondly, just fucking buy the live stream and watch it, you sucker. Yeah, if you use the code WORST, it's 20 bucks, and it supports our show. And everyone loves doing that because it means we keep watching the movie, which sucks for us.
2: Radio, daddy-o.
1: Thanks very much again to Carmichola. I will be bathing in your glory when I get back in the homeland of New Zealand. And if you see a Carmichola, buy one and tell the shopkeeper Worst Idea of All Time sent you. It'll confuse them. Yeah, it
2: absolutely will. I mean, none of the shop owners have any idea who or what we are, so there's no correlation between between the two products for them. That'll really throw them.
1: Otherwise... i forward to some confused shopkeeps getting in touch with us. I am looking forward to seeing you and the not-too-distant-future guy. We'll be together again.
2: A dream about us together again. A dream about us together with Everywhere I go, every smile I see, I know you are there, smiling back at me. It's, me. it's the worst idea of all time. It's the worst idea of all
1: time. It's the worst idea of all time. Of all time.
0: Two. Even on a budget.